We want to talk about names this morning. All of us at one time or another probably had to name someone or something, right? Children, pets, a favorite toy when you were growing up. It's very interesting that according to a New York Times article, children in many African countries are often named after a famous visitor, a special event, or other circumstances that were meaningful to the parents. When doctors told the parents of one child that they could not cure the infant's illness and only God knew if he would live, the parents named their child God knows. Only God knows. Another man said that he was named enough. Why do you think he was named <laughs> enough? He said it was because he was the 13th child in the family. There's a reason for everyone's name. There's a special reason. I went online yesterday and went to the authority in baby names. It's called Baby Center. They keep track of self-submitted names. And for 2021, what do you think the top boy and girl names were? Well, for boys, it was Liam, Liam, L-I-A-M, the top boy name in 2021. The big news for the girls in 2021 is the name Olivia beat out a 10-year standing name called Sophia. So Olivia beat Sophia in 2021 after 10 years of Sophia was the number one name for a girl. Friends... Before Jesus was born, an angel of the Lord told Joseph, Mary will have a son, and you are to name him what? Jesus. All right, you're awake this morning. I love it. <laughs> you will name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And of course, that is what the name of Jesus means. He will save us, friends, from our sins. And as we have heard, today is the first Sunday of Advent. Advent begins, the church year begins, if you will. And we turn again to the events surrounding the birth of Jesus. And this year we will look at the prophets, Isaiah's words of hope and promise in chapter 9 of Isaiah that Pastor Curtis read for us in our opening call but specifically verse 6. And he will be called what? Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. The miracle and the mystery of the Incarnation, friends, is what we encounter. God taking on human flesh, coming into this world as an infant, a little baby, and living among us. C.S. Lewis once wrote to a Roman Catholic priest, pray for me that God grant me to say things helpful to salvation. Well, if any of you have ever wrestled through or read C.S. Lewis, 
or watched his words hit the big screen, I would say that yes, his words said things that were helpful for us to understand that Jesus, what? Saves. He wanted his words to reach people's hearts, not just their heads. I wanted them to follow Christ, was what were some of C.S. Lewis's final words. And friends, when we hear those words from Isaiah chapter 9, for a child has been born for us, a son given. The central miracle asserted by Christians is the incarnation that God put on human flesh. And of all the names of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, why would Isaiah, inspired by God's Holy Spirit, pick out these four names of God, of the miracle and the mystery of the Son of God, a child being born into our midst? Why these four? And I think that's the purpose of our next four weeks together and into Christmas Eve as to, to explore the meaning and the purpose of these names. So amazingly, the promise of God's anointed one entering this world first came hundreds of years before Jesus was actually born. A man named Isaiah was given the ability to hear and proclaim God's messages to God's people, even if at times they weren't listening or didn't want to hear what prophets wanted to say. Number one, it probably is the worst job in all of Israel to be called to be a prophet, because a lot of times prophets did not say what we wanted to hear. And yet, Isaiah learns of God's intentions, and he records a beautiful song of promise, of hope, and the reign of God. And in just a couple minutes, we're going to re-listen to those words, some of those words, from Isaiah chapter 9. So for this week, let's reflect for our few minutes together on how Jesus has been a wonderful counselor in your life and in your faith journey. Have you ever taken the time to pause and realize how has Jesus been a wonderful counselor? Well, the Hebrew word for wonderful I discovered was Pele, P-E-L-E. Ever heard of Pele before? For some of you that like to kick a little ball around or watch others, Pele was probably the best soccer player ever out of Brazil. What a fitting name if there was ever that way to do it. Pele is also, I learned, the name of a Hawaiian god, the goddess of volcanoes and fire that, that is credited for creating the Hawaiian Islands. But most importantly and most true, Pele, or wonderful, is how Isaiah calls the Lord. Wonderful counselor, a miracle 
from the gospel reading that we just heard today. What did Mary say? For nothing is impossible with God. I wonder as I wonder. The miracle and the mystery of God putting on human flesh and dwelling among us. The same wonderful counselor who appeared to Joseph and also told Joseph in the midst of his predicament of how is my young bride whom I'm engaged to be married pregnant. And yet God said to Joseph, as he said to Mary, do not be afraid. I got this. Name him Jesus because he will what? Save his people from their sins. All 54 times this Hebrew word is used in the Bible. It references something supernatural, something that only God could do or could only be explained by God's involvement in it. Wonderful counselor, one who advises, guides, and directs. So friends, pause this morning. Pause. How has God's wonderfulness impacted your life? In times of joy? In times of sadness? How has God showed up as only God can do? Have you ever thought about that? A woman hurriedly purchased 50 Christmas cards without looking at the message inside. She quickly signed and addressed all but one and then dropped them in the mail, right? Check. How many of you have got your Christmas cards done yet, right? She was in a hurry. Just get them in the mail. 49 out of 50. Just imagine her dismay when later she glanced inside one of those unmailed cards. And it said inside, this card is just to say a little gift is on the way. <laughs> I bet no doubt 49 people that year were waiting for that gift they never got. How different, though, it is, friends, of God's promise to us. How different is God's promise to us that help was on the way? If I want to give you an assignment, I think I will today, I'll give you an assignment. To fully understand the context of the words from Isaiah 9 that we're about to read, I would love to have you go home today and read Isaiah chapter 1 through 8. But, but in 90 seconds, here's the summary. Here's the cliff notes, okay? How many of you use cliff notes in college? I have to put my hand up, yes. Isaiah 1 through 5, chapters Isaiah 1 through 5. God's people are faithless. Their faithlessness. God offers hope for repentance, even though they're turning their backs, plugging their ears, doing their own thing. A remnant will remain, but it doesn't look good. God's people are turning their hearts and their lives away from the Lord. Isaiah 6, some of you may know, is the call of Isaiah. Here I am, send me. I have to go tell these people that it's going to get worse before it gets better. Isaiah chapter 7, we learn that Judah, Judah is threatened with utter destruction. And yet the sign of hope 
of that remnant is what? Emmanuel, God is with us. But Isaiah tells them again, it's going to get worse before it gets better. In Isaiah chapter 8, we learn that the Assyrians will cause the time like none other before in the life of Israel. But Isaiah says our hope is to remain in Emmanuel, God with us. There's going to be people that hope in the Lord, Isaiah says, and there's going to be people that put their trust in spiritists, in mediums, in consulting the dead. And Isaiah says, keep your eyes and your heart focused on Yahweh no matter what. Those who do not, they will be, in verse 21 and 22 of chapter 8, they will be distressed. They'll be hungry. They will roam through the land where they are famished. Then they will look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom. They will thrust, be thrust into utter darkness. Do you get the picture? I think my mind, 90 seconds are up. And then comes these words from Isaiah chapter 9. Verses 1 and 2 say this. Nevertheless, nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor the Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. Verse 2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death. A light has dawned. Friends, out of utter hopelessness, out of utter darkness, God's promise of redemption, God's promise of salvation, Verses 6 and 7. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called what? Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Only God, wonderful counselor, the miracle working, amazing, God. That's who's going to intercede in darkness. Who's going to intercede in the midst of our sin and separation. Friends, just as Jesus began his earthly ministry in the Gospel of Matthew, he quotes these verses from Isaiah. And where is he standing? He's standing in Capernaum, which is in the exact same spot of the land of Zebulun and Naphtali. He had come to fulfill to the fullest 
God's promise from the prophet Isaiah. And so as this Advent season dawns on us, friends, we here in the Northern Hemisphere also enter a season of darkness. Long nights and short days, right? It gets dark earlier. For many of us, life also seems to enter a time of darkness as the year winds down. We look back over the year when we lost so many, and so many others are still without food or health care or adequate shelter. COVID-19, politics is still on our brains, wondering what the next newsflash is going to be. We think back on opportunities missed and opportunities not taken, and our hearts are plunged into even greater darkness. We wonder about the justice of God and when it will be fulfilled. Is God going to keep his promises? Is he going to be that wonderful counselor and give me guidance in this situation? Is he going to answer my cries for help or healing or hope? And yet, as the text says today, in the midst of this physical and mental darkness, that were surrounding the people then and still surround us today, the prophet Isaiah assures us of this coming great light, the light of a Savior, the light that lights up the darkness. To me, there is nothing like lighting that candle in a dark room and that glimmer. It gives me peace. It gives me hope. And so we cry out to God some days, don't we? Save us, save us from ourselves even. And it is directly into this darkness in which the Christ child enters. Jesus is the light of the nation. Where Jesus goes, friends, as wonderful counselor, darkness flees. We don't place our hopes in the nations themselves or in their political, economic or social constructions, however well-imagined they are or however help, hopeful they might seem, Isaiah wants our hope to be entirely in King Jesus, wonderful counselor. Advent, friends, is a time of longing, a season where the church waits for Jesus to return and restore his creation fully. In the book of Lamentations, the writer does not gloss over the horrible realities on every side and yet writes, this I call to mind, therefore I have hope because the Lord's great love were not consumed for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, we're also reminded that God is faithful even when we are not. Remember, Judah was about to be conquered by the Assyrians. People were consulting the spirits and the dead. And yet, the light of the Lord was promised to illuminate this darkness to take away sin, to take away fear. 
and to promise hope. So friends, today, even as you hear the groaning in the world around you, may you also hear notes of hope found in God's word and reminders that Emmanuel remembers us, cares for us, and promises to be our wonderful counselor to guide us and direct us. Four children, two sisters and two brothers, have been sent from their home in London to the countryside to escape the bombing of the Blitz during World War II. They're in a new place, living apart from their parents with two adult caretakers who are mostly absent. One rainy day when they're exploring the big, lonely house where they're staying, Lucy, the youngest child, finds a large wardrobe all by itself in an empty room. She's curious. She opens the door and climbs in, pushing her way through the fur coats hanging inside, and then she's there in the middle of a snowy forest. Are you with me? C.S. Lewis's masterpiece, the first of the Chronicles of Narnia, the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. The adventure begins when Peter, Susan, Edmund, and Lucy tumble through that mysterious wardrobe into Narnia, our enchanted world of beasts and fawns and dwarfs and giants and other wonderful creatures. The children discover that Narnia is in bondage, held captive for a hundred years until this, under the spell of what? The evil white witch. She's made it always winter and never Christmas. Prophecies have foretold the end of the witch's reign. One day Aslan will return to Narnia, and Aslan is the great lion. Over the years, millions of readers have been thrilled to discover the story within the story of the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. It's the story of the gospel. It's the story of salvation. It's also the story of personal salvation. Edmund, one of the children, falls under the spell of the evil white witch, and he has no choice. He becomes a traitor. He's sentenced to death. The only heart for Narnia and Edmund is Aslan. And only Aslan, the one who created Narnia, can now deliver it from the power of the witch. Romans 5, chapter 8 says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so out of the darkness, out of our sin... God's promise is real. God's promise breaks into human history in the form of a little baby. Wonderful counselor. Amazing miracle worker God in the flesh, in the midst of sin, in the midst of darkness. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. God loves you. God's light never gets snuffed out. 
God promises to never leave you nor forsake you. This is the miracle-working, hope-filled God that we worship and that we serve. It's the God who breaks into human history. So this Christmas, I pray that you would know Messiah Jesus, the anointed one, the promised one, that you would know the one who is wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace, and that he would bless you with a peace and a joy as you walk through him by God's grace into the new year. His name is wonderful. Amen. Dear Jesus, we love you, and we thank you for your promise of salvation. We thank you that even though times are tough, the way may seem unclear, that the miracle and the mystery of the incarnation has changed it all. That you promise as our wonderful counselor to guide and direct our steps. Great is your faithfulness. Out of the darkness, there was saving light, a hope for the nations. We remember Joseph. We remember Mary. And the miracle and the mystery that you worked through them as they trusted you and learned together that nothing is impossible for you, O oh wonderful God. We thank you, and we praise you, and we trust you this day and every day that you give us. And we pray it in your strong and mighty name. And God's people say,